Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're going to share the experience of David Oakford, who at the time of his experience in uh, 1979, he was 20 years old. He just had a terrible self-esteem. He's just hating life, really miserable, and turned to drugs and alcohol, unfortunately. And as we've brought up before, this is a good example of the uh, question of is it a drug trip or is it a near-death experience? And usually you can detect it based on what happens during the experience. And I gather that this is definitely a near-death experience. So here's what David says. I laid down to use the stability of the earth in an effort to maintain a hold on reality. I knew I had to do that in order to be able to come back down. The next thing I knew, I was riding in my friend's car. I thought we were up north, across the Mackinac Bridge, and come back, came back again. We rode past my childhood home, and I saw my parents sitting on the porch. I felt drawn to the trees. I could see and feel their strength. I saw their roots going deep into the ground. I mean, I actually saw the tree roots physically reaching below the ground. I told my friend about the car ride after the experience, and they told me that the only place I went was to the chair they carried me to after I passed out on the porch. I did wake up in the chair. My friends say they put me in a bit later. When I woke up, I could feel the organs in my body working, each one separately as well as all together. I could not see my friends anywhere. I could see in all the rooms of the house at the same time. The stereo was playing the Doors' Absolute Live album, except the volume was way too loud for me. Since I did not see any of my friends around, I got up and tried to turn the music down, but could not. No matter what I did, the music kept playing. I knew the stereo, too. I had a real problem with the noise. It was tearing at me, and I could not figure out why, nor could I adjust the volume. I called out to my friends, and nobody came. I tried to unplug the stereo, but that didn't work either. Every time I tried to touch the cord to unplug it, I could not grasp it. I just kept, It just kept on playing La Woman, or L.A. Woman, I'm not sure. And, and the sound rattled my very being. I ran all over the house, calling for my friends, yelling repeatedly that the music was too loud, but I was not heard. I pleaded for the music to be turned down. I tried to go outside, but could not feel the doorknob. I could see the daylight outside, but could not go outside. I ended up gliding in the bathroom in an unsuccessful attempt to escape the noise. I looked in the mirror and could not see myself. That frightened me greatly. I went back to the family room and saw my body sitting in the chair. I looked like I, it looked like I was sleeping. I wondered how I could be looking at myself. I got a bit scared then because I could see me from outside of me. From all different angles except the inside angle, I was used to seeing myself. I was alone. I was confused and very scared. I tried to get back into my body, but could not. I could not touch the ground, either. I was floating. 
I rose into up into a spot above my body and kind of just hung there. I could no longer move. I called out for help and nobody came. I tried to go out the door, but like the stereo, I could not touch the doorknob. I was scared and alone and did not know what to do. I did not understand what was happening to me. I asked God to help me. I did believe in God then, but I was kind of angry at him because of the cruddy life I was experiencing. I reasoned that if God were really the omnipotent and omniscient being I was taught he was, he would not let me experience the pain I had experienced throughout my life. I thought that if there was a time I needed God, it was now. I was not disappointed with the result of my plea for help. I looked over by the door to outside and saw a beautiful being standing there. His feet did not touch the floor. His feet just blended into thin air. He looked both male and female and was young. I could not tell his or her sex. His hair was curly and he was about my height. He had this glow about him, too. The glow was green, close to him, then blue, then pure white in the upper areas. He said, I'm here to help you. But when he spoke, his mouth did not move. I didn't actually hear him speak with my ears. I felt what he was saying. When I saw this being and he spoke to me, I was no longer afraid. I actually felt peace and comfort like I had never felt before. I felt the peace I was searching for throughout my life. The feeling was very familiar to me, like I had felt it before, but not in this life. This wonderful being called me by by a name I do not remember. I told him he must have the wrong guy and that the name he used for me was not my name. He laughed and said that I was a great master and that I had just forgotten who I was. I did not believe him because I did not really know for sure what a master was then, and if I were this great master, I would not have had all the problems I had. I felt that I was an evil being because that is what I was told in my life several times by many. He told me his name but I do not remember it. He told me that he had always been with me and told me that he knew that I had a very hard life and that he would help me understand why if I really wanted to. Uh, He told me that he would help me remember who I am. He said that he would understand if I did not believe him and offered to prove to me that he knew everything about me. He told me things that I did when I was a child that proved to me that he was always with me. He told me about things I had only thought about. He told me that I could go anywhere I wanted to go and that he would show me how to do it if I wanted him to. He said that if I needed to come back and see my body, I could. My body would be fine because I was still connected to it somehow. When we spoke to each other, we did so telepathically. The expression on his face was a happy one all the time. I told him that I would like to see the pyramids in Egypt as well as the southwest United States. 
He told me that all I had to do was trust him, think about where I wanted to go, and we would go. I thought about the pyramids, and we were there in an instant. I do not know why I chose the pyramids. The thought just popped in me, so I went with that. While we were there, he told me some things about the pyramids in Egypt that I do not remember now. I really wish I could remember what he explained while we were there, because I know that it was highly significant and had to do with humanity's future. When we finished in Egypt, we went to the southwest United States, but flew there slowly so I could see the sights along the way. I wanted to see this planet with the eyes I had then. I saw the countries of the Far East and the Pacific Ocean. Night was falling in the southwest United States, and I could see what the being told me was energy emanating from almost everything I could see, especially the plant and animal life. The energy was strongest in the areas of the land and sea that had had the least amount of humans. The energy was the lowest in the areas where there were man-made structures, the cities of the world. The energy I saw came from the human beings that lived in the city. It was explained to me that humans are the basic producers of energy in cities because of their relatively low vibration levels. The, the energy is lower in general. I could see the higher sources of energy in the cities, though. I was shown that people who had higher energy levels, and some of them actually talked to the being I was with. I saw dark souls during the time the being and I spent on Gaia, the dark souls were earthbound spirits who refused to go to the light. They prey on the energies of humans still in human form and try to use those souls to prevent the evolution of spirit. I was told I was protected from these dark ones as long as I chose to focus on the love in me. The dark ones did not even try to affect us. In fact, they gave us nasty looks and went away. I was told I would know these dark ones when I see them, and I was told to tell them to go to the light. The light is a porthole to the place that all souls go if they choose. I could see energy around the humans, too, all different colors and levels. The beings explained the human energy, the human energy to me. He said that the energy coming from the humans is what spirits use to elevate the spirit con spiritual condition of particular humans. He said the light, the lighter and more brilliant the color, the more advanced the spirit is. He said that seeing the aura around a spirit is useful in determining how much a particular spirit needs to work on his development. He said the higher beings know where to go and what to do to help an earthbound soul so they may advance themselves if they choose. He told me that all souls have this energy. That is why I could see it in every human I saw. He said that I was of the same energy type as he, but my vibration is lower when I'm in the human form, and that in time my energy would raise to match his intensity, provided I chose to take the initiative to consciously evolve my soul. He told me that there is much to this planet that spirits can see which humans do not see with their eyes because their vibrations are so low. 
He showed me life in the trees that I could see as a spirit, but could not see in my human form. He explained that beings of higher vibration do live on earth, but they are not human. They are part of earth itself. He explained that these beings were the caretakers of physical life on the planet. He said that these beings take care of what we call nature. There are beings that take care of the plant life, the mineral life, and the waterborne life. These lower echelon beings work together to ensure that all aspects of nature is protected, that all aspects of nature is protected and remains healthy. When the planet was evolving, these ethereal beings were the ones that kept the balance of nature. He explained to me that the planet that we call Earth really has a proper name. He told me the Earth is really called Gaia. He said Gaia has its own energy and that Gaia is really a true living being. I asked if this energy could be seen and he said we have to be away from Gaia to appreciate and see it. He said humans are the ones who can manipulate Gaia's energy through their choices. He said if humans cho choose to live in harmony with the energy of Gaia, it is good for Gaia. He said if humans abuse Gaia, they hurt Gaia by altering its energy structure. I was given an example of how humans have deforested the planet and reduced the energy available faster than it could be replenished. He said Gaia was very strong, but has been weakened considerably since humans have chosen to use the resources in a manner inconsistent with the laws of the universe. I asked him if we could go into space and see Gaia's energy, and he said yes. He said there were no limits on where we could go. I could concentrate, or I concentrated my thought, trusted, and then we went into what is known as space. Away from this planet, I could see Gaia all at once. It was so beautiful. I could see the aura around Gaia. The aura affected me greatly. I felt a deep love for this beautiful place. I could hear Gaia move and was told the sound was the energy flowing in and out of Gaia. My special being told me that Gaia is the most unique planet because it is designed for humans to live on forever. It was created for a spirit to play, learn, and grow. He said the balance of nature on Gaia allows a spirit to be in human form when a spirit lives in harmony with nature. Nature exists to uh, compensate for the decreased vibration and was created for spirits to adapt enough to adjust and be in the physical human body while still having access to energy that will help them advance. He explained that humans were designed by God to live eternally on Gaia and are not supposed to die. He said that dying is a human-created earth term that means little in the world of spirit. The reason that humans supposedly die is that they have fallen away from the balance of nature and allow themselves to be affected by what is what by what they create that violate the nat natural laws of the universe. He said that humans have fallen away from living in balance with nature. He said they must relearn about the harmonic balance if they want to survive as a race and live on Gaia forever. He said it was still possible for humans to learn about this harmony and that it is the na next overall goal of humans on Gaia.
I was told that humans would eventually realize they must restore the balance, but great damage will be inflicted before humans will fully realize what they have been doing to Gaia and work to reverse what they have done. We traveled past all of the planets in our solar system. Near each planet, I could hear the energy, just like on Gaia. I saw the auras around each one of them, too. I saw spirits on all of them as well. My friend told me that all planets are places for spirits to live, learn, and thus evolve. I saw great cities on each and every one of these planets, uh, on each and every one of those planets. It was explained that other life in the universe is not readily seen because the beings were of a higher vibration and most spirits in human form have yet to attain a higher vibration required to see them. The being told me that each planet has a theme for learning and that any of them can be chosen by a soul when we are between physical lives. He said we practice on the other planets to be ready to live on Gaia. He said that Gaia is the ultimate experience for a soul. It is ultimate because our souls evolve faster here than anywhere else. It is said that the lessons we need to learn are difficult to learn without having a physical form. He explained how we pick a physical life on Gaia. He explained to me that I picked the parents I was born to so I could learn what I needed to learn to grow enough to come back and do spirit work work on Gaia after I attained a certain level of growth. He said that I was being told all of these things so that I could help souls come together and return Gaia to harmony. He explained some of the things to me about God that I do not remember. They had to do with the universe and the size and structure of it. I do remember that he said that God has... God is not to be seen, for he is everywhere. He told me that God loves Gaia deeply, much as God loves his wife, or much as man loves his wife. He talked about Jesus, too. He told me Jesus was a master God, sent to earth to teach humans how to act toward each other and to find their way back to the path of harmony and each other as well as with Gaia. I was told that Jesus is the being that is entrusted by God to ensure that souls evolve. He said that Jesus is of the highest in vibration than any other soul. He said that God holds Jesus in the highest of favor because he was the best example of what humans need to be. I then got to see Jesus. I saw his light. Jesus' light was the purest I have ever seen. There was no need for words. There were only feelings that I cannot even begin to describe. I was told that loving one another is what souls need to do in order for peace and harmony to be the standard on Gaia. I was told that there is a hierarchy in the universe that is dedicated to preserving the harmony of the universe. I was told that humans are an integral part of this harmony and that the free will we have is a part of souls that allows humans to provide service in her service to the universe. After he explained those things to me, I was able to see our whole solar system all at once in full color. The planets were all in a line and I could see all of them from Pluto to the sun. I felt very blessed and very important. 
I was given this great gift, and I did not really understand why. There I floated, a being that went out of his way to inflict pain on other souls, yet I was never asked about what I had done. In fact, I was given the honor of being given answers to questions most people wonder about all their lives. I thank this loving being for explaining and showing me what he did. He told me that there was more for him to show me if I was ready to experience it. I told him I was ready. I did not know why I was chosen, but I was not about to question why. It just seemed small to me then. We started to head back toward Gaia. When we went to a place in the shadow of Gaia, uh, we went to a place in the shadow of Gaia. It was a great city in the clouds. The city had this these beautiful white buildings as far as I could see. I saw spirits living there, all of which had vibration, but no f real physical body. These inhabitants went to and from the buildings, going to work and play, too. I saw a place where spirits went to get what I thought was water. There were no vehicles there. Spirits seemed to get around the way my, my being and I got around, by flying. The city had no boundaries that I could see. There was a place of, that was full of life, of all kinds. There was nature there, many pure plants, trees, and water, just like on Gaia, but more pure. Nature there was absolutely perfect. It was untainted by human manipulation. This place was just like Gaia, only without the problems and negativity. I felt that this was what is called heaven, in earth terms. I saw spirits going to and from the Gaia and the city. I could tell the development of the spirits going to and from by the energy they emanated. I could see that animals came to and from earth just like humans do. I could see many spirits leave Gaia with guides and, I, and could see spirits returning to Gaia without guides. The being told me that some of these spirits passing were ones that were doing the work with humans on Gaia. I could make out the types of spirits that were doing the work and the spirits that were coming to the great city to become replenished to eventually go back to Gaia to experience and further evolve. I could feel the emotions of the ones coming back for replenishment. I could feel that some of them were sad beaten and scared, much like I felt before my being came to me. My being took me into one of the larger buildings. Inside, I saw many spirits working. They were doing things similar to jobs on Earth. When we walked by the spirits, they looked at me. I think they were checking me out because of the being I was with. We went upstairs and I saw spirits that knew me. They greeted me and asked me how I was doing. They gave me advice of which I do not remember. I thought I was going to be given a job there, but the being I thought, uh, but the being knew I thought that and told me that there was something I needed to do first. I was ecstatic. I was in heaven despite everything I had done during my life on Gaia. I was experiencing what most people only dream about. The love I felt there was the same love I felt when I saw Jesus. I had been searching on Gaia for what was really the same place I was in then. I was searching on Gaia for the feeling I was feeling that very moment.
I had found what I spent my whole life searching for. I was truly happy. I was home, and I knew it. I was ready to stay and do whatever work I was given to do. My being took me to another building that was special. It was bigger than the rest and had the greenest foliage I have ever seen growing on it, decorating it like a shrine. We went inside and set a double inside a set of double doors that glowed with life. The inside was decorated with a wood paneling that the being told me was living wood from the trees that grew at this wonderful place. He led me to some big double doors and told me to wait on this bench while he went inside. A bit later, I came out of the room. He told me to go into the room and he said, he would wait for me and not to worry. He cautioned me to ensure that I was truthful with the beings in the room. He said that they were not judges. Rather, they were the ones who evaluated a soul's development based on a soul's history. He told me to remember who I was and, re and to refrain from fear. I knew I had to leave this being sooner or later, but I was glad that he would wait for me. I was a little scared to leave him, but I felt that I was protected and knew that I would be protected here. I went in and saw a group of several spirits seated at a table. The table was made of the glowing wood and was perfect in every way. The spirits around the table had the highest vibration I had, I had seen so far with the exception of Jesus. I looked at these beings and recognized them. I do not know where I recognized them from, but they all had a familiarity about them. They just looked at me. All of a sudden, I saw my parents on earth before I was born. I saw how they came to be together and watched them have my brother and sister before me. I saw their positive and negative sides and evaluated them according to what I needed uh, what I knew I needed to do on Gaia. The beings asked me how and why I picked these particular parents and asked me to tell them. They said I knew how and why I picked them and asked me to tell them why. I do not know where it came from, but I did tell them how and why, and they agreed with me. I picked them to help them on their path as well as to achieve my yearning. I saw my soul go to my mother and go inside of her. I saw myself being born from an observer standpoint, as well as having the actual experience. I proceeded to see my entire life from the observer point of view and from the points of view of those my, my actions had affected. I felt the feelings they felt that directly resulted from things I had done to them. I saw both the positive and the negative things I had done as they had truly happened. Nothing was left out or presented inaccurately. I experienced the harshness of being born again. I experienced leaving heaven and the transit to Gaia. I saw myself as a helpless infant who needed his mother for everything. I experienced my father's love as well as his anger. I experienced my mother's love, her fear, and her anger as well. I saw all of the good and bad from my childhood years and re-experienced what I had done then. 
I felt all of my emotions and the emotions of the souls I had hurt as well as loved. From all of this, I learned that it matters deeply what choices I make on Gaia. I learned just how powerful we humans are and how we can affect each other in positive and negative ways. It was amazing to see how my innocent actions had such a powerful effect on souls that I had no idea I was affecting. The experience was one that I will never forget. I experienced the whole spectrum of feelings of my life in a relatively short period of time as we humans see it. Where I was, time did not really exist. I could see how I became what I had become on Gaia and why I became that way. Everything I did in my life affected the evolution of the souls around me. I saw the reasons for all of my actions and understood why I did what I had done. There was a place for all my positive and negative actions. There was no action that was necessarily wrong, but there were actions I took that did not enhance positive growth. I was both a victim and a beneficiary, beneficiary of my actions. This was not a fun experience to go through. I could see how wonderful it could be if one chose to act to affect other souls positively most of the time. Afterward, the beings in the room asked me questions about what I saw and how I felt about my life up to then. I knew that I had to provide an honest assessment. I could not lie. I hesitated when they asked me whether I affected others more positively than negatively. I thought about lying. These beings knew what I was thinking, and I had to tell them that I felt that I could have done be a better job on Gaia. I knew what I had come to Gaia to accomplish and was well on my way to doing that, but I knew I was not finished yet. They agreed and told me I still had many things to do and that I may want to go back and do them. <clears throat> I was told it was understood how difficult it would be for me, but it was necessary for the universe for me to finish. They said that it may be wise to go back and live my life how I had originally planned it. They said I had set lofty goals for my life on Gaia, and the events in my life were achieving the goals I had set. They said that I originally came to Gaia to learn and share with others using the gifts that I had accumulated over several lifetimes. They said that I am needed on Gaia to help souls bring themselves and Gaia back to harmony. They said that I have great potential to affect other souls, to help them grow, and that Gaia is the best place to do that. I was told that the events I had experienced thus far were preparing me to make a large contribution to the universe, and that my experiences were not to be considered personal attacks in any way. I did not want to accept that. I wanted to say I told them that. I told them I was tired and wanted to stay because life on Gaia is hard and unforgiving. I felt that going back would be dangerous for the universe because I was not advanced enough in my spiritual evolution. They said that was precisely why it would be in my best interest to go back to Gaia. They said I was more advanced than I give myself credit for. They said it was possible for me to stay, but I would need to finish my work on Gaia sooner or later. The type of work I was destined for can only be done on Gaia. I could stay 
if if I chose, but I would be only I would only be prolonging the completion of what I needed to do for this universe. They explained the fastest way to finish my work would be to go back to Gaia as soon as possible. I was stunned, to say the least. I resorted to bargaining, but it was no use. I still did not like living on Gaia and did not really want to go back. These beings understood me, but remained firm. I had a decision to make that was really the hardest decision I would ever make. I did come back to Gaia and am now living a life that I was, later in the experience, told I would live. Believe it or not, I ended up shelving this experience away, classifying it as a really vivid trip. It was not until I evolved more that I realized the gift I was given. I share this experience now because I feel it can, if so chosen, spur thought and foster choices that affect the planet in a positive way. If I learned anything from this experience, it was that every choice I make is duly recorded, noted, and will return later, when I leave here again. My goal is to save people the pain that I felt in my review and hasten the evolution of humans on Gaia, helping Gaia as well as the universe. Again, I wish you all the love I feel in my heart, and I give this love to you. And that is the end of David Oakford's experience. And I, he does have a book um, called Soul Bared, A Physical, uh, Metaphysical Journey. Um, and we will include a link to that in the show notes as well as the bookstore. I'll be honest, when I first read this story, I was, or this account, I was kind of in the um, ballpark of, is this for real, or is this made up, or, you know, I mean, I didn't want to say it was a drug trip, necessarily, it just had too much detail, and uh, and the kinds of things you hear in a near-death experience to be something that the brain could invent, but uh, I was hesitant, just because of some of the little aspects that, you know, just seemed a little different than what, uh, what we often hear. Let me see if I can find one of these places. So yeah, for example, when he first finds himself out of his body, and uh, he doesn't seem to, you know, he, he has uh, this moment of riding in his friend's car, I assume with his friend, um, across a bridge, and then they came back again, they rode past their childhood home, and he saw his parents sitting on the porch. I, I mean, are, does this mean that he... Uh, I'm unclear when he says, my childhood home, has he moved out and his parents still live at his childhood home? Because if they no longer live there, what were they doing on the porch? You know, was this some kind of vision of the past, maybe a flashback of some kind, or was it... Um, or was he seeing these things? Because he says when he woke up and he asked his friend about it, he said, you never went anywhere. You know, we, we didn't go in the car. We didn't go past your parents' house, anything like that. And so, um, you know, if he said he just floated there on his own to his childhood home and saw his parents sitting on the porch, I would assume that he flew there as a spirit and saw his parents sitting on the porch and then flew back. But he says he was in his friend's car and his friend's car never went anywhere. I don't know what to make of that, and also when he found himself again, 
because he says he woke up in the in the friend's chair a bit later and then uh, after that he I guess he passed out again it's kind of unclear and then found himself in the room and the music was too loud and he couldn't get the music to stop and it was like looping and and all this stuff which all sounds drug trippy you know so it's tempting to say well you know he is on a drug trip of some kind or having a extensive dream but remember that sometimes people have experiences that especially in the early stages that may be tainted by dreams or drug trips or other things where they're halfway in the body and halfway out of the body so you know when somebody still has a connection to their body such that they could still control it for example and to some degree and yet are not in their body they have some connection to it and so why couldn't there be dream elements in the experience um it's you know that's that's just bizarre but it seems to be that that kind of thing takes place and so you know i left a, enough of a leeway to say well we'll see you know maybe and then he goes on and he sees the whole experience you know he, he meets this guide who he'd known and and cared deeply about who he says was neither male nor female um that you know sometimes seems to be the case less often uh, but you know you he says, I could not tell his or her sex. So it's not to say that it wasn't a man or a woman. It's that he couldn't tell. Um, and so, but this was a very caring person and someone um, that he knew very well. And then he wants to see the pyramids in Egypt. And he's allowed to see it. And, and he's told how it is a, uh, the things that he sees um, teaches us something of the future of the world and so forth in the United States. And then he goes to Southwest United States. He talks about how, you know, when he came back, he's like, why did I want to go to those places? I don't understand, you know, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. It kind of reflects on the idea that our spirits have some insights and ideas that maybe our bodies are not aware of, at least not consciously. And then he, uh, um, talks about the energies of different aspects of the world where there is primarily nature without humans the uh, nature energy is very strong and very high um, as he puts it and in the lowest areas are where there were man-made structures cities of the world and uh, which is interesting and he talks about how, I, he says, I could see energy around the humans too, all different levels and colors. The being explained the human energy to me, he said the energy coming from the humans is what spirits use to evaluate the spiritual condition of particular humans. And, and then he talks about aura. And um, this concept of aura, aura comes up often, and I'm still not clear on what it means because some talk about it as if it is something of their emotional state at the time as you know when they're angry their aura is particular colors when they are you know feeling happy and joyful their aura is brighter and so forth and others talk about the aura as being something of a level like this a spiritual condition a, a spiritual 
level, if you will. And maybe our spiritual level goes up and down based on our emotions. I don't know. I, I can't imagine that, you know, just having a rough day and, and being a little depressed at the end of the day means that you have, have de-evolved your spirit to any great degree. But, uh, but perhaps, you know, it, there's something of, of lessening of the aura of the light from the aura, whatever even aura is, I'm not entirely sure. But uh, interesting. <laughs> it was a little funny side note. I was uh, uh, <laughs> swimming with my family and wearing goggles, and and you know how when you come up and down a lot, they start to fog up a bit, and the sunlight was coming in and hitting you know people and things and that and that, and and I noticed people started having light surrounding them. You know, I'd take the goggles off and it would go away. But I just laughingly said to my wife, I, I'm starting to see people's auras. <laughs> and uh, and so, anyway, I wonder if it looks something like that. I, I have no idea. I don't see auras. So, <laughs> anyway, he goes on to talk about how, which I find very interesting, how much this planet, uh, there are, on every planet in the solar system, has beings on it, but that they are of different vibrations, and that's why we can't see them, because our vibration is so low. Now, that is fascinating to me. This has come up before a little bit, but this is probably the most um, in-depth uh, look at these, uh, at this idea of um, there being other people on the planets in our solar system. So, this is mind-boggling. And if it's true, then it sheds some interesting and curious light on what or how vibrations work. So, we're of a very low vibration in this mortal world. We are, are very mortal. We are very... Um, deep in this place of trial and adversity and pain and suffering. And yet there is great capacity for joy and growing. I mean, it, he even says in here that this was the place where, where spiritual evolution happens at the, uh, I don't remember how he said it, the, happens the best. I mean, if you want to grow, come to earth, basically, or Gaia, as he um, calls it. He says, but they, on the other planets, because they're of a different vibration, we cannot see them. We can't sense them on any scientific level and so forth. Um, but they are there, and, and they are much more uh, harmonic, if you will. It's a, places of greater harmony than what you get here on Gaia. And uh, that's interesting. And that tells me, or that makes me wonder, but if you... Does that mean that if you could raise your vibration, whatever that means, that you could see them? But if you raise your vibration sufficiently, would you leave the planet? I mean, would you just vanish? Would that be some kind of translation? I, you know, I just have no idea. But uh, the impression I get is that, you know, we think of uh, dimensions much as science fiction sees dimensions. And I think that's a fair way of visualizing it. I don't know if it's at all accurate, but it's a 
it, it might make a good um, analogy for this. So imagine there are various dimensions, okay? And the spirit dimension being one of them. You know, if you were to die today, you would enter the spirit dimension and you would see things on the spirit plane. And, uh, and so that is one of the dimensions. Perhaps there's even more than one spirit dimension. You know, as we, as we know from these experiences, there are various levels. And maybe that's what they're talking about. And, and this mortal um, level of vibration or dimension, this mortal dimension being one of them. What if there are other mortal dimensions? And this is what seems to be suggested from this. What if there are mortal dimensions that are low enough that, that we experience the trials and, and deep suffering that we do here on Earth? And then on Mars, for example, they are of a different vibration, a different dimension where there is mortality happening. I don't know, but, uh, but perhaps there is mortality happening there for other beings who are of a higher vibration and experiencing their own level. Now, we just see Mars as this empty, barren planet. And maybe we see it that way because in our dimension or at our vibration, it is barren and empty. At our vibration, Venus is just this crazy, hot, you know, smoldering uh, place. And, and then, you know, Venus, I mean, uh, Mercury has such a low atmosphere and yet is too hot. And, you know, I mean, it's like this is what it translates to in our vibration or at our vibration. This is all there is, which is to say it's barren of life, incompatible with life. And yet at a different vibration, perhaps it is very much uh, compatible with life. It seems odd to me as I think about this. Let's just put it in, you know, consider that, let's just say this is the case, okay, that this is true. Well, then suddenly looking back at how we traditionally see uh, the planets, it seems really wasteful to have these incredibly beautiful uh, and massive planets um, full of types of atmosphere and storms and everything else that, uh, that, you know, physical worlds would have and not have some kind of life on them, especially considering the spiritual level that the universe is, where everything is alive to some extent. And, you know, it could be at different vibrations, different, you know, it, maybe at, our, at their vibration, they look at Earth and they see it as a barren landscape because is at their <laughs> vibration there's just not much going on i would hope there's enough of goodness and uh, higher vibration whatever even that means on earth that they could see something but i i don't know again this is totally you know playing with you know i kind of think of some of these thoughts as like philosophy on not on steroids perhaps but uh you know considering uh, philosophy based on, on I mean, little snippets of things, and let's just take this to the extreme and play with it a little bit, and and so forth. And yet, here's, you know, David having this experience and seeing that there is life on every one of the planets, all the way down to Pluto. You know, there's life there too, which makes me think maybe there's life on the all the uh, 
mini planets. Now, I mean, we're really getting out there, but uh, this seems to be the suggestion. And again, I, I emphasize that when I first read this, I was like, I don't know about this one. I mean, of course there's life in the universe, but but right here on Mars and Venus and all that, I, you, know, you might be pushing it for me. But, you know, we do know there are different vibrations, different levels. We see no uh, physical evidence of the spiritual here from a scientific standpoint. And yet, near-death experiences and, you know, our own experiences manifest that there is more going on than what we're seeing. So, I mean, why not have that be a possibility? So, very interesting. The uh, things that we do that he says, affecting this earth, or Gaia, as he names it. Um, I think there's something to that. He says, uh, the, the, uh, this council or group that he's seeing, that are trying to convince him to return and he doesn't want to, say, um, he says, they say that I originally came to Gaia to learn from, or to learn and share with others using the gifts that I have accumulated over several lifetimes. That reflects on the idea of reincarnation. Uh, he says, they said that I am needed on Gaia to help bring souls, or so, to help souls bring themselves and Gaia back to harmony. Now this, this um, based on a couple of things that come up, uh, reflects very much on the idea of reincarnation, which, again, I can see from near-death experiences why somebody could believe in reincarnation. Again, I don't myself. Uh, I don't think it's necessary, but, you know, who am I if this is a real thing, if these really are beings, who am I to say that there's nothing to that? I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I think mortal life as we know it in our, uh, there's, there's still leeway for mortal life as we know it to not be something that we come back to and yet have several lifetimes that are not mortal lifetimes, if that makes any sense at all. I mean, does any of this make sense? I'm, I'm in a very, this is a very exploratory near-death experience and one that, uh, that, you know, take the whole thing with a huge grain of salt and yet, you know, have something in the back of your mind that says there's something to that. I just don't know what it is, you know, any of this because if you have trouble believing and then yet there's some of you listening that says I can buy that yeah absolutely great <laughs> you're lucky because I, <laughs> I I find myself a little struggling with some of it but at the same time too I put it on a shelf that says look into this again later and as you come across other experiences you know pull it off the shelf and take another look at it before deciding where to put it back down um, interesting I find this this whole experience fascinating just because it has many things in it that I haven't come across very much and and what some I haven't come across at all and that's not to say that it's not a real near death experience that they made the whole thing up I mean there are deceptive experiences there are uh, truthful experiences that are beyond what we're prepared to receive there are experiences that uh, that I absolutely and fully accept 100%. And so, you know, this just lies in some of the 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, keep referring back to this when I come across other things that I don't understand to see if I can find something of, you know, uh, how am I gonna come up with an explanation for this? Because let's face it, even near-death experiencers, they come back and they're like, there are no words. And I understand when people think I'm crazy when I say this because it doesn't make sense. And yet this is what I saw. This is what I heard. This is what I felt. This is what I experienced. I don't deny that this is probably a real genuine near-death experience is what I'm saying. I just don't know what to make of the interpretation of it. I have no idea. Um, but there's some really cool stuff in there. So. If you would like to help out the podcast, this is something new. If you would like to contribute to the podcast, I've just added a Patreon page uh, at the suggestion of a listener. I, I was hesitant, put it off for a while, but if you would like to contribute to the podcast, I've added a Patreon page. It is at patreon.com slash ndecast. And there's a link to it on uh, neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. Just, uh, I think it, uh, let me just look. I believe it says uh, uh, contribute or support the podcast, I, I think is what it says. If you can do that, it, uh, Patreon is a, is a subscription type model where, yeah, it's uh, labeled support the podcast. And it's a subscription-based thing. So if you can give a dollar a month or whatever, you know, um, just put a dollar and, and it will, um, you know, direct deposit kind of thing into this Patreon account. And this is just a way to uh, kind of keep the podcast going and try to, to be able to have some financial incentive for me to keep doing it. It's not that I'm planning on giving it up or anything like that. I, but I do spend about half of my working day doing this um, between the uh, uh, you know production time and, and, and so forth. It, it is a, a big job. If I'm really fast and really you know on top of things, I can do it in two hours and, and I always feel really good about myself when I've done it in two hours, you know um, because, you know, I I do work other days of the week away from home and not and not um, available anyway to be here producing on those days, and so I have to do it on the days that I'm not working away from home. And so, anyway, the point is that this is a lot of work, a lot of time, and so forth. And if you have a little bit that you can spare it would really be helpful. And I did put some incentives, as as they encourage you to do on Patreon. I, I decided that if we get to the point where there's enough people contributing enough, that there's $50 a month coming in, that I will start putting out for those people, for the contributors, an extra episode per week. And if we get to the point where there's more than $200 coming in per month, I'll put in two more a week, making a full, you know, a new episode every day, at least for those who are contributing. Um, those two extra episodes will be available through the Patreon page to those who are contributing. And again, you can contribute whatever you want. So if somebody does do $50 a month, that will immediately make it available for 
everyone who contributes anything, and maybe that person will be the only one getting uh, the episode every every week. It's totally worth it to me. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that suddenly it will become monetarily worthwhile to spend the extra hours doing it. So anyway, it's there. I, I'm not expecting it of you guys, but I want it to be there, be available, so that if you want to contribute, it it provides a, a level of... of uh, verifying the uh, value of this um, beyond uh, what can be done by simply you know watching or listening or rating and reviewing and so forth but if you don't feel like you can contribute it would still very much help me out if you get on iTunes and leave a review or even if you just you know email me near death experience podcast at gmail.com uh, and you know just let me know your thoughts or if you have an experience to share, I would love, love, love to hear it and share it on the podcast. So um, also you can call 970-NDE-CAST. Um, and again, thank you all of you, regardless of whether you're helping out in any obvious way or not. If you're just listening, that to me is really what this is about, is, is being able to touch lives in some way and be able to hopefully help people to seek more of the spiritual aspect of their lives. If that's all that's happening is you're listening and that's it. Believe me, that's, that's enough for me. And so I thank you so much, again, all of you, for listening.